Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. Hey there. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show, where every fourth Friday, along with our guest co-host, fine art nature photographer, Margaret Pereira, we talk about the environment and trees and plants and wildlife and science, all these great things. And today's special guest is Sam Hodder. He is the president and CEO of Save the Redwoods League. So check out their website, savetheredwoods.org. They're celebrating over 100 years, and I know that. He was on our show back in 2018, and I think it was the 100th anniversary of Save the Redwoods League, and there was a book out that was really incredible, showing the history of men, women, communities getting together to save these iconic uh, trees. It was called, and it is still called, it's still out there, The Once and Future Forest California's Iconic Redwoods. Uh, Mm. So welcome back, Sam. How are you? I'm great and really glad to be here. Oh, we are too. And, and Margo, I said, Margo, hey, we got Save the Redwood Leagues on the show. She's like, I'm in. When? Let's do it now. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you so love excited. The I yeah, love you, the Redwoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the photo behind you, that's Mendocino, right? Mendocino, yeah. yeah. Nice. Did yeah. you take that picture, Margo? Yeah, I'm a nature photographer. That's beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's beautiful. Yeah. Ours is from Humboldt, because like we had it turn over. It's Humboldt, man. Now, we, we were recently up there, and that was part of it. I was like, oh, we got to get Sam back on the show, you know, going through the Redwoods and, you know, just, just really amazing. realizing, you know, how many communities rely on these trees, not just for tourism, but health, mm-hmm. too. Is that part of it for the Save the Redwoods League is just actual health? Well, I think increasingly we've all learned more and more about how our forests are critical to climate and to public health. Um, mm-hmm. And not just because, as, as we all know, a walk in nature is therapeutic and there are scientific, there are scientific data that, that speaks to how spending time outdoors, spending time in parks and in nature is good for your health, fundamentally and measurably. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the fact that forests clean our water, um, they make our air, uh, they sustain our biodiversity, they bring resilience and balance into our ecosystems in a time of climate change. Um, so yes, there is a direct link between healthy forests and healthy communities, absolutely. And there's one one of the projects, the, the Great Titans uh, Trail, this is the giant, the giant. The Grove of Titans. The Grove of Titans. Yeah, the Grove of Titans. I'm like, they're yes. the Titans. See, I can't yes. look at my notes. I'm terrible. But the Titans, all I know is they're the Titans. And, you know, when I was reading about this project that you're in is that we need to understand the health of the forest when we go in as hikers and uh, folks who love nature that you actually created this program. So it's like a boardwalk. So we won't be off scurrying around because you could get out like even when we pulled over in Humboldt we're like we could kind of we were in the state park there's at trails but the inclination is to oh let's scramble around here let's go down to the little river where I saw the tree down you know so this this trail seemed to be like it's not just about our health we want to get out to nature get people out there but we've got mm-hmm. to take uh, have these programs where we are protecting nature too. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly what happened with the Grove of Titans project. Um, just first of all, to locate your listeners, this is up in Jedediah Smith State Park. Uh, it's up near the Oregon border along the Smith River. Uh, and it is a spectacular, 
spectacular redwood forest landscape. It's the wettest place in California. It is the <laughs> heaviest forest in the world. There is more above wow. ground biomass growing per acre in this forest than in any place in the world by wow. a long shot. I mean, the, bio, um, the <laughs> biomass, the carbon capacity that is sequestered in these huge, huge trees is off the charts. Um, and some researchers discovered uh, a cluster of trees that was off the trail that were just truly spectacular. And they gave it the moniker of the Grove of Titans, and then it wasn't too long before people wanted to go and see it for themselves. And so they mm -hmm. wandered off trail, and before too long, there were social trails that were winding through the grove, tramping down mm -hmm. the ferns and the other understory plants, and um, beginning to pull the dirt down from the roots as people tried to get closer and closer to the Titans. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, it was a really interesting balancing act that we collectively with uh, the Red, Redwood National and State Parks uh, and the Redwood Park Conservancy were, were working to try and resolve. Because as you said, we, we, it, it's so important for people to experience these places. Mm -hmm. The inspiration of the Redwoods is transformational. And frankly, we want more of us to share in that experience. The more people that have moments of awe in the Redwoods, the better off we're all going to be. Because you go into a Redwood forest and you come out a better person. Um, yes. But, but nonetheless, we want to make sure that we are enhancing that connection, that we are building those bridges, sometimes literally, into the redwood forest in a way that sustains the delicate ecosystem that is so rare in the world. Um, Coast redwoods grow nowhere else outside of a narrow band from just over the Oregon border down to Big Sur in Central California. That's it. They've been planted mm -hmm. other places, but they don't occur naturally anywhere else in the world. And the yeah. old growth is incredibly rare. There's only 4% of the old growth left. So we've got to be wow. really careful with how mm -hmm. we steward that sensitive ecosystem. So what we did was rather than putting up stay away signs and trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube of people wanting to visit these trees, we collaborated with uh, donors from around the world um, and with California State Parks uh, to build an elevated walkway that, that takes hikers through the Grove of Titans um, and into that magical landscape, but taking their boots off of the ground. It, uh -huh. it elevates the treads. And there's no, the, already the fern are starting to grow up through the perforated elevated walkway and um, the signs of, uh, of the kind of bootleg trails are starting to recede and get covered back over by the mosses, ferns, and huckleberry bushes that are so representative of the Coast Redwood understory. It's, it's amazing. And, um, and people are showing up. They're wanting to see this place. They're wanting to learn how to be uh, better stewards. They're trying to understand um, what it means to visit these special places, these iconic places, and to do so with a light touch. Um, and I think one of the other things I, I would really like to put on the table in addition to how we and our partners really innovated in the design of this walkway, um, the interpretive material, all of the signage, all of the storytelling that accompanies a visitor's walk through this grove was put together by members of the Talawadini Nation. So mm. it was the indigenous community whose lands, uh, whose who have been living in this place for generations. Um, it was their story, even their language, that is now welcoming people into that place, uh, telling the story of the plants and animals who live there, telling the story of, um, of some of the elders that, um, that still remember a time when this place was wild. And uh, so it, it, it's very compelling to see the indigenous language the indigenous words for the plants and animals there and hmm. storytelling from their voice uh, as, hmm. as kind of curating the public's visit. Um, it's, important. it's important, you know, when you think about the Native American culture that has hmm. lived out there on the water and then inland, when we were driving through, we heard, and it's pretty much, I, we got stuck on it. And I think, gosh, we were north of Santa Rosa, I know that, and getting into the Redwood area. And we were listening to, there's a tribal radio show and we try to get into whatever local, what, what's going on and we want the gossip. 
And um, there was, it was a very, um, passionate show mm -hmm. about saving the woods and trying to get the right congressman to actually listen. And do we have to keep marching to Sacramento? Like, this is our land. This is, you know, something that connects with you. And he was talking about logging. And I, I think this is a little bit south of the Redwoods, actually, no yeah. more than But to me, it's connected. Mm -hmm. It is connected. And um, the more we protect these places, the more people, you know, we, everyone's healthier. But from what they were talking about, it's, it was going into their land and people weren't listening. They wouldn't come out and even look. And he, all he wanted was for, he, I, I think he was like the head of the tribe and all he wanted was for our Congress people and senators and politicians to actually go out and, and experience it. the woods so they would understand mm -hmm. the wonder. And they're, it just, he was getting sloughed off and sloughed off. And I'm just, we're listening to this, we're gonna go like, what? And this mm -hmm. is an important thing because you've got to think about all these buffer zones. And I think what you're talking about with this whole belt of redwoods, it's very similar to the sequoias. I know we talked about that the last time you were on the show, like that that's it for the sequoias. I mean, I've seen a you know petrified one in Colorado, but that's from eons ago, you know, mm -hmm. what we used to have. The sequoias are only from you know Yosemite and Calaveras all the way down. It's from the high country down through Sequoia National Park and all of that. And they had to do the same thing through the Big Trees Trail, you know, of, of Sequoia, Sequoia National Park, because they had to protect it. Here's all these giant sequoia trees through the giant forest. They've had to do paths and be really smart about mm -hmm. it because it's so popular. It's easier to park and on the General's Highway. But the beauty of that, too, is that people of all ages and abilities are able to access these trails kids moms can push a stroller mm -hmm. if someone's in a wheelchair or a walker so and who need that i think if you're not well or maybe you're going through certain we were talking about that with asbury woods the other day ladies you know mm -hmm. up in erie pennsylvania the importance of when you're out you do, do you want to keep walking on asphalt i mean even the word mm -hmm. asphalt sounds exactly what i have to say about it <laughs> I will write it then. I'm for your boardwalks. I think they're cool. I mean, we've done so many on our tour. We probably, I, I'm going to say over the last couple of years, we're into about a thousand. We have to redo all mm -hmm. our maps of parks we've been to. And some of the, like Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia, you're on a boardwalk. The gators are right there. So are they the. Go. They don't know you, but everybody, you're kind of in this ecosystem. And we learned about being up for animals when mm -hmm. you're up. There's a wildlife sanctuary in Colorado where they rescue you know, animals through hurricanes, uh, circuses, all kinds of things. And they really kept all the animals away from people, but they knew that educational aspect had to happen. So they did a mile long walkway above the animals. It's like when you see an airplane in the sky, you look up and go, it's an airplane and you continue on your life. That's how the animals can be. Our experience with all these boardwalks 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial is that there's some kind of like you're not too close to the habitat of the animals like the newts the salamanders the frogs the mm -hmm. snakes the mm -hmm. you're kind of so i that's what I, I just it's a long thing to say but you're doing a really cool thing <laughs> with this 
Well, I, I have to say that there aren't very many new trails in the coast in the old growth redwoods simply because it's it's so delicate and there's so little of it left. Um, but this was an opportunity for us to welcome the public in a safe and protective and um, equitable way into uh, a forest that um, that they never they've never seen before. It's never you had to go off trail before to get in there, and many people did. Now you can access and see these spectacular trees in a way that is both safe for the ecosystem and safe for the visitor. Um, yeah. so it, you can't really get the feeling without going there. I mean, the trees are the trees are so tall, so immense that you pictures are awesome and they're so needed because it's helping to save forests like this. Mm -hmm. But when you actually go there and stand close to one, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, it really it, it's it, you just have to keep looking up, looking up, <laughs> <laughs> and then you get how big these trees are, how long they've been alive and how much they mean to the yeah. ecosystem. And that's what's been such a struggle with regard to uh, uh, the giant sequoia. Um, <laughs> oh, we got a little friend there. That's Kamish. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, Zooms are for everybody. No, right? no Zooms are for Hamish. Yeah. He's very interested. He loves trees. Oh, I bet. I bet he does. Yeah. So I was support. I was segueing so talking about the giant sequoia and the yeah. challenges that they're facing there. And you're so right. There's there's nothing like walking among giants that have been mm. alive for three thousand years. There's nothing yeah. like that. the, the sense of perspectives, um, the sense of humility and beauty is just it's a it's amazing. And yeah. what has been happening in the last couple of years is frankly something that many of our scientists had, had seen coming and we've been shouting from the rooftops about it, but it's now finally here that even though this sequoia ecosystem is so well adapted to fire, because of course there's been fire in the Sierra across millennia, whether uh, indigenous cultural burning or uh, lightning fires, there's been a fire frequency in the Sierra Nevada mountains every five to 10 years for across millennia. And the giant sequoia have evolved to thrive in that forest ecosystem. And then we started suppressing fires in about 150 years ago. We extirpated all of the indigenous communities from the forest. We made burning illegal. And then we suppressed all of naturally occurring wildfires. And as a result, the fuel that would otherwise be burned off on a regular basis has grown up mm. into the crowns of the giant sequoia. And now they're competing for resources. There's less water to wow. go around. But importantly, also, when the fires do come, and they are coming, um, they get hotter, faster, okay, yes. and they get up into the crowns. And now they're actually killing the giant sequoia. In the last yeah. four years alone, we have lost 20% of the giant sequoia in the world to fire. 20%. Wow. And this is a very rare and small forest footprint. It's even mm. it's substantially smaller than the coast redwood forest. Uh, mm. There's less than 30,000 acres of giant sequoia um, in the world. And we lost 20% of them in just it's three huge. years. Wow. It's huge. It's huge. It's so, huge. I mean, they've been going back to back with fires and we cover that territory a lot and, and had the Sequoia Parks Conservancy on not even a month ago talking about that. And they have a great fund that they're doing. For you, when you're seeing what, what's going on with the sequoias, are you nervous for the redwoods? Well, we're, we're nervous for both, but it's a very different story in both. You're forests. connected, though. Yeah. To me, yeah. you're both, you're both the stories yes. are similar. The trees are related, you know. Yeah, I think one of the, <laughs> one of the key differences in the, in the two forests is that the, while the coast redwood can re-sprout if they lose all of their foliage and they can, uh, they can sprout epicormically from the bark, uh, sequoia oh. can't. As soon as oh. the sequoia loses its needles, it's done. It's not coming back. Oh, wow. Uh, so the, a lot of the coast redwoods that have been impacted by high severity fire, like in Big Basin that happened a few years ago, um, where in the Santa Cruz Mountains, the 10,000 acre Big Basin Redwood State Park was almost completely burned. Even in those old growth trees that were entirely singed uh, from top mm -hmm. to bottom, um, they're 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 green again. They're popping back. 
um, and starting to grow again. That, that, that's not to say that uh, we don't have, don't have a huge amount to do to make sure that that redwood forest is fire resilient. And that's a big mm -hmm. part of what conservation and restoration has to address, restoring the natural fire resilience of the coast redwood forest, because you're right, um, the fires are coming. The, the fire mm -hmm. seasons are, are longer, hotter and drier. Right. And, um, we need a healthy redwood forest as that natural fire resilience um, uh, in a changing climate. In the, mm -hmm. in the giant sequoia forest, the, the onus is on all of us to secure both the policy flexibility and the funding to do the restoration in the sequoia grove so we don't lose any more. Right. I have to mm -hmm. be able to give the Forest Service and the National Park Service and the and the Thule River Tribe who manages a, a spectacular giant sequoia grove to make sure that they have the capacity and resources and the workforce to reduce the fuel load and to restore fire resilience by bringing prescribed fire back into the ecosystem management mm -hmm. and by reducing the fuel load so that when the fires do come, they're not catastrophic fires. Mm. Right. And the research mm. part of it too, we just um, interviewed Denise Alonzo uh, from the Sequoia National Forest. And mm -hmm. she was saying, and same as uh, Katie over at Sequoia Parks Conservancy, they both said that research is key now <laughs> because the fires are so different that we are facing a different um, recovery than what we've faced in other regular forest fires. And Nancy and I have been in a gazillion forest fires and they, they do come back, but that was way back when. And yeah. now I'm going, this is different when they burn so hot so fast. And one thing I noticed on your website, everyone save the redwoods.org, go there now. They need donations, just say. Anyway, <laughs> go help. Um, but you guys also do these grants and, and these uh, amazing research grants. And I was looking at, it seems that you're doing some of that, that work um, in regards to research grants in regards to fire. Absolutely. I think we have to do all that we can to learn to be better stewards. Uh, and especially now in a time of changing fire dynamics uh, and changing climate, um, what we thought were Fire resilient ecosystems, of course, are proving to be very vulnerable. And so we have to, uh, we have, we're funding research on both sides of the equation, both, both after fires and to understand how um, to accelerate the restoration of forest landscapes, um, what sort of replanting, um, what sort of um, uh, mechanical removal of, 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 of future fire risk. Uh, helps to restore the natural function of the forest, uh, but then also doing research to understand how past forest management impacted fire behavior and in turn forest resilience. Uh, what, was, what was done in terms of prescribed burning in the past? What was done in terms of mechanical thinning of fuel loads such that when the fire came through, did it behave differently? Um, mm. did, the, did the forest respond differently to those, to those forest conditions in ways that we can learn to be better stewards into the future? So yeah, there is, a, there is an absolute direct connection between the, the research that we are funding at Save the Redwoods League to better understand fire behavior and forest response to fire uh, and our work as a steward uh, mm. and our work as, as, a, as a partner with, with Sequoia Stewards at scale. Oh man, it's awesome because some of these uh, places are actually UNESCO World Heritage Sites too, mm -hmm. because they're so ancient and so uh, like the old growth, right? So some mm -hmm. of them are UNESCO sites. I mean, and that's, I know people travel the world to experience this and people going to California, they're like, we want to see the sequoias or the redwoods, which are which. So I would like to ask you to give everyone a little overview difference <laughs> because they're both giants. And they're like, I said, well, you can go to Muir Woods. Um, it's busy, but there's shuttles now. They've, they've really had to change as well. And you mm -hmm. can go to the redwoods, you can go here. I mean, it's like, okay. But they're both um, iconic pieces of California. Like, you know, when you think of California, I know we think of surfers and that's cool too. But I'm just saying the trees are a huge mm -hmm. part of what makes California so unique and different to the rest of this country. You don't find these, oh, and Oregon a little bit, but I'm gonna be nice to Oregon too, because they're nice, they're nice yes. too, but give everyone a little overview of the difference between the two. Sure, um, well, they're, they're related um, and they're both iconic uh, and not just for California, but for the country at large. I mean, there's a reason 
that there's a sequoia tree on the National Park Service logo. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's because of that connection, that role that the giant sequoia have played in land conservation throughout history. Uh, I mean, the very first federal act of conservation was the establishment of the Mariposa Grove in Yosemite National Park by Abraham Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War. Um, so he, by um, federal directives, established Mariposa Groves and Yosemite Valley as uh, a protected area for scenic values. And it was the first time that had ever happened and sequoia were right there at the starting line. So the giant sequoia, uh, they grow uh, only on the Western slope of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. The northernmost grove is, um, is just a grove Sorry. of just six giant sequoia trees in around Auburn, which is just a little bit east uh, or I'm sorry, a little bit west of Lake Tahoe, and then goes all the way down to the southern end of the Sequoia National Monument. Uh, your 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 dog sitting double duties are are, are voicing yeah. their opinion. <laughs> I know they're, they're, funny. they're like that's they're right. Save the trees. I want to. <laughs> I <visit> know them. <laughs> exactly. So so the giant Sequoia live in the, in um, uh, in more or less high elevation, around 4,500 feet and. Uh, to about 6,000, maybe a little bit more, uh, in the in the Sierra Nevada. It's a very small range. The footprint of the giant sequoia forest ecosystem, as I said earlier, is less than 30,000 acres. Um, and the giant sequoia are the largest trees in the world. Um, they're massive, massive, massive trees. There are giant sequoia trees that have a circumference of over 100 feet. Wow. And there are sequoia that are alive today, over 3,000 years old, that were already big, mature trees when Homer was writing the Iliad and the Odyssey. When, it's amazing, uh, right? That's, that's it's, crazy. It's incredible. It, talk yeah. about family unity. Get your family around. This is to me, if you want a family picture, go hug a sequoia tree, you know, no. together. Try and do But then you can't get everybody in. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But, but I always say trying. that's the way to do it's it. It's worth trying. And, it's and like the, memories. Yeah. The feel of the bark mm -hmm. is unforgettable. It's this extraordinary, almost cinnamon colored bark mm -hmm. that has a softness and a sponginess to it that is so unique. And the bark can be up to a foot thick or even more. Uh, and then the, the, the crowns of the trees, where the foliage is on the on the massive branches of giant sequoia, can be hundreds of feet in the air. And that's the combination of those two things the thick, spongy bark and the mm. high canopy is one of the reasons that they're so 92 percent of households that start the year with peloton are still active a year later 92 percent because of a bike not just bikes we also make treadmills and rowers oh let me guess for elite athletes only right nope it doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals 92 percent stick with it so can you try peloton bikes tread or row risk-free with a 30-day home trial new members only not available in remote locations see additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial resilient to fire so a fire will burn along the ground of a giant sequoia forest and it'll mm. um, it'll remove all of the fuel loads and all of the small competing trees and brush uh, and the duff layer along the, the needles along the ground. And then the giant sequoia cones will fall from the tree. They need that heat ah, to open. Little ones, little babies. Mm, tiny, tiny. Little babies. The seeds mm. are no bigger than a little oat flake. Yeah, they're, they're just mm -hmm. it's crazy. From those tiny little oat flakes grow these spectacular behemoths. And, um, and they need that fire cleared surface, that mm -hmm. mineral surface mm -hmm. of soil in order to, uh, to germinate their seeds. So they're not only resilient to fire, they actually need it for mm -hmm. production. Um, it's only now that the fires are so intense and there's so much fuel that it's climbing into the crowns and actually killing the giant mm -hmm. sequoia. Now the coast mm -hmm. redwood forest to the west uh, they also only occur in California and just a little bit, maybe 10, 15 miles up into Oregon um, and along a narrow coastal strip um, that maybe about 50 miles wide that goes some 350, 400 miles from the Oregon border down to Big Sur. Um, and uh, compared to that you know, less than 30,000 acres of, um, of giant sequoia forest, there is, there is still over 1.6 million acres of coast redwood forest, wow. but only a tiny bit of it, only 4% of that forest is old growth. 
The rest mm -hmm. of it is young second growth redwood forest. And that's oh. one of the things that's so unique about the coast redwood that's different from giant sequoia. Coast redwood sprout from their roots. They can reproduce asexually. So, so are they the ones that connect underground like you know, they, they, they have that network underground and they have very shallow roots. Mm -hmm. So they have, there's almost a, a floor under the forest floor of a, of a web of, of, of roots. But um, the thing, the thing about the coast redwoods and the way they reproduce is that when a redwood tree falls over, as they occasionally will do, and more will sprout out from their roots. And it's the same plant. It's the very same stem. Yeah. So, uh, or I'm sorry, it's a new stem of the very mm -hmm. same plant. So that way, mm. while a stem itself can grow to be 2,600 years old, the oldest coast redwood forest is about 2,600 years, it could, the plant itself could be many times that, it could be tens of thousands of years old because wow. the same root system just keeps on popping up new sprouts. Um, oh, wow. So that's, mm. that's one of the reasons that we have that's such good a- though. It's good and it's one of the reasons it's, why we have such a unique opportunity to restore the coast redwood forest because- yeah. Even though 95% of it has been cut down twice, even three times, it keeps on popping back up again. That's awesome. And, awesome. and we can let those trees grow old. I mean, to your point earlier that we, um, Lisa, if we, can, uh, if we can just let the forest that is naturally occurring stay standing and strategically identify places where we just stop cutting them down and let them grow, to, grow old again we can restore a dramatic landscape of old growth forests in the coast redwood forest and uh, begin to work towards a vision of a forest like nothing ever, we've ever seen in our lifetimes. That was, it's exciting um, to me because it, I, I'm on a Facebook group for redwoods and you know it's people going into the parks and you know conservation and then there's a whole bunch of people growing them. They're like, you know, these, they, they, we've got to grow our, and everybody's doing gardening tips on your redwoods because they're doing it from seedling. It's like everybody wants to do their part in some way. So, mm -hmm. I mean, does that help? I mean, what, what would you say the one thing is that we can do as consumers or travelers, hikers, nature enthusiasts? I hate the word consumers, but it's so true. That's who yeah. we are. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, what can we do to help you with, you know, save the redwoods and the sequoias, all of that? What do you think we can, like, just an easy thing that we can take action on? Oh, uh, well, that's, that's a great question. And I've got a long list. Uh, but first and foremost- Because Margo, did I steal your question, Margo? Yeah, I, probably. I saw her face. I saw her face. I'm like, I stole her question. Uh, <laughs> my, my first answer is just the reflecting my bias as to the mission of Save the Redwoods League. Um, supporting our organization and others like us that are working to buy redwood forest. I think the most important thing we can do is take redwood forest out of harm's way and get as yeah. much redwood forest as we can on our trajectory to grow old again. So uh, a conservation and restoration vision that protects redwood forests where they're naturally growing uh, to provide the carbon sequestration, the habitat biodiversity, the resilience in the face of changing climate and the, and the catastrophic wildfire uh, of parks and recreational resources for all walks of life. Uh, it, it is a quadruple bottom line to invest in protecting and restoring our coast redwood forest. So that's the first thing I would recommend. Is, how, is, how, how many, how, what, are we beaming up? I feel like a truck is going to drive into here. But don't, yeah. don't take, don't take the, don't, don't drive over the dogs. But I, I feel like we're beaming up with something. But um, I wanted to ask, like, how many, how much have you saved to date? It's over 100 years. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. You're, you're almost 105. We're almost How's 105. <laughs> we've, we've, cool. we've saved over 220,000 acres of wow. redwood forest over the years. We've helped to establish more than 66 redwood parks. Um, we've been cool. funding education grants that have helped students get into the woods to learn about the forest ecosystem and to explore their connection with nature. Uh, and we've been funding science and research grants on everything from redwoods and climate change to um, fire resilience, as we were talking about earlier. So yeah, we, wow. we continue to advance redwood conservation projects on an annual basis. We just bought a, a 3,100 acre redwood forest just last December that included five miles of, of coastline on the Pacific Ocean. 
that's known as the Lost Coast Redwoods property. Yeah. Um, just the spectacular Mendocino coastal bluffs with nice. um, both mature second growth redwood forest and also scattered old growth redwood as well. Um, and that is at the southern end of the Lost Coast landscape, which uh, includes another project that we acquired last year where we bought over 500 acres in the northern and central area of that Lost Coast landscape and conveyed that property to the Sinkion Intertribal Wilderness Council. Uh, and they have renamed the property Cecile Don, which is Sinkion for fish run place. Uh, mm. So we hold a, a conservation easement and the tribal council owns, or the, um, the Sinkion council owns the land and uh, it's returning the land to indigenous guardianship. I love this. That, See, yeah. That's what I was talking about with whoever was on that radio show. I wish I wrote it down, but I was driving and that wouldn't have been good. But um, that was part of this connection was the native peoples are losing their forest mm -hmm. to logging and foresting and public and development. It's housing and um, agriculture too. And so there's so many things threatening these pieces of land and forest. And that's what they were talking about. So I know it was south of you. I'm, I'm gonna have to look it up because I'll go, I'll know by the images of where we stopped in the parks, where it was. But um, he was really, really passionate about that. And, and I think that's something we forget about. We think about saving nature, but if you don't have the people of the place too, sometimes yeah. we don't know how to be good stewards either, right? And it's ancestral. Mm -hmm. You know, they're part of the ecosystem. Indeed. And uh, the indigenous knowledge that has gone into the stewardship of these lands across millennia is, uh, it's critical to kind of reintroduce and re-engage that knowledge and that culture into conservation stewardship. Uh, and I, I think it's actually a really exciting moment for conservation where, um, issues of tribal engagement and tribal leadership um, are uh, coming to the fore as, as much more critical elements of conservation work today. Um, if you think about um, the 30 by 30 initiative, which is to protect 30% of land and water by 2030, um, it's being advanced around the world as a, as a global climate goal. Mm. The core to that 30 by 30 objective is engaging indigenous communities in the leadership of that conservation and restoring cultural connections through um, uh, indigenous stewardship and guardianship of conservation lands. Um, and that is, a, that, that is a commitment to conservation that's carried forward through the federal government um, uh, with Secretary Holland, the first indigenous woman to be Secretary of Interior. I know, um, is it cool? With yeah, Director Chuck cool. Sams, the first indigenous mm -hmm. director of the National Park Service. And uh, I think a shared commitment across the conservation community to find ways to engage tribes across the full spectrum of the conservation movement, whether it be uh, consultation and um, uh, engagement and, and communication at the front end of conservation projects through exploring opportunities for cultural access through to co-management and all the way to outright tribal ownership. There's a full spectrum of uh, indigenous engagement and conservation um, that can adapt to the to the circumstances, to the moment, to the capacity of the tribe, and um, I think we're on uh, on heading in the right direction and really amplifying the importance of that work and also building a shared commitment to the capacity of 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 tribes to to step forward and to and to collaborate in the conservation community. It's a, it's I think a great moment. I love it. I, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, getting everyone back together. It's a collective, it's a community. And you're saying you've got people supporting you around the world through donations, support. I mean, just even social media, share good stuff on social media. This is, you know, yeah, there's so many nice. little things we can do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do have a question that's completely kind of off the grid. But, you know, when you think about the web of life and taking down a forest, right, and for foresting or let's put up a, you know, paved paradise, right, <clears throat> it really affects all the different species all the way around from birds to fungus to all of that, right, and it does add to climate change, 
It does add because now we're changing the atmosphere. Then we start getting droughts. All of, you know, California, I mean, I don't know how the drought situation is affecting your area, but I know that salmon are in big doo-doo in Oregon, California, Washington, and up into Alaska even. They're through climate change and rivers and pollution and water being taken for mass farming. I don't, I can just go on and on, but these salmon are having a really hard time. I know fish, uh, fish and wildlife are trying to help. Do you think the redwoods and saving these pieces of the forest will help in the salmon at all? Oh, they're inextricably linked. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Ab cool. Absolutely. I think, I mean, to acknowledge the coast redwood forest is, is typically at the at the far end of most of many of the coastal watersheds as the water is coming out towards the ocean. Um, so in many cases, it's, it's the first place that the returning salmon come through. And there are salmon spawning streams throughout the redwood forest. So a healthy coast redwood forest is critical to a healthy uh, salmon population. We're doing cool. a project, uh, actually this, you know, this is right in line with the story that we were just talking about. We're um, this is up at the Southern Gateway into Redwood National and State Park, the town of Oric. We were talking about that earlier. I love Oric. <laughs> yeah, we, we they bought... go through the redwoods to the ocean with sure. berries and elk. It's like elk. It's I love Oric. It's like Eden. It's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, um, it's awesome. And, it really uh, is. So we we bought say the Redwoods League bought the 145 acre former mill site where all of the old growth of that landscape oh. got milled when it was getting, if you don't, if you remember back in 1968, of course, no, we don't remember back in 1968, uh, but uh, that, when, that, was when, that was when Redwood <laughs> National Park was established. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, when, when the discussions were ongoing about establishing Redwood National Park, the timber companies started accelerating their harvest of the old growth, right. get out ahead of the park. And so much of what is now in the park was clear cut in the 1960s and 70s before it was protected. But wow. it's still, that park still, um, the national park together with the neighboring state park still contain more than 40% of the world's remaining old growth redwoods. But we bought the mill that used to, that was uh, the last to harvest or to mill all of the old growth coming off of that landscape, right at the north end of Oric where Redwood Creek and Prairie Creek. I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So we're pulling back all that pavement and oh, cool. we're restoring the natural meander of Prairie Creek and we're going to build a new uh, trails gateway and eventually a new visitor center into the national park right there on that former mill site. And the, the crews doing the work are in, it's a Yurok tribe owned construction crew and the entire mm. crew that whether they're manning, manning the heavy machinery to pull back the pavement or to um, use the backhoes to dig out the, the mud to reintroduce a meander in the back channel for salmon rearing habitat, or whether they're crawling around in the mud to plant little native wetland species uh, in the recovering wetlands. Every last one of them is, is a native Yurok person that are collaborating with the, the, the healing of their ancestral territory awesome. uh, at that gateway to the <laughs> national park. Again, having, awesome. um, uh, having the, the Yurok people uh, both planning and doing the work and, and getting the economic development of that restoration economy um, right there at the Southern Gateway to Redwood National and State Park. That is perfect. I mean, that's like mm. a real positive changeover, you know, going from mm -hmm. something that was destroying to something that's Putting building and, and, yeah. and, and rehabilitating. And, and when we go back in mm. future years, as either as visitors to the park at this visitor center or um, as tribal members who are doing ceremony at the Yurok village site that will be reconstructed on that property uh, and, the, and the salmon return to those spawning grounds and to the rearing habitat that the tribe is, is recreating, uh, there is a sense of, of healing that is just so palpable. Um, I, I think, Wendy, you were talking about how <clears throat> We need some hope, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Nancy. How how we mm. need uh, mm -hmm. a sense of optimism, and with all of the Absolutely. social media feed that we have coming across our screens, um, knowing that there uh, is an opportunity for us to recreate some some beauty and some connection and some cultural heritage and some mm. life 
Um, it's, uh, it's, it it's too easy to give up and to accept defeat before you're defeated to ensure that you're defeated. You know, to me, that makes no sense. But it is, I know that one of our human traits is to take an easy path. And so when something looks difficult or something, first of all, we have to admit we did the wrong thing, not us personally, but those before us who didn't have the knowledge and research we have now. So they made yeah, a lot of people now. <laughs> yeah, but now we have research and we have more knowledge. So, and we have better ways of figuring things out. So, okay, our ancestors really didn't have the knowledge, but we have it. And we don't need to continue the destruction. We can have a hand in fixing it. And I keep thinking like, you know, in back of my mind, I almost want to make a, a movie where you just systematically destroy one tree after another and watch the thermometer temperature rise and rise and rise and rise where people have no shade. They've lost half of the animals and plants that they need to survive. And just so they can see the outcome. And then it snows on you with a snow blizzard. Yeah, <laughs> right from where? Or flood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so that they can see the end result. If we see the end result mm. of the destruction. Yep. I, I, I like you know going I mean? out in the woods. I think there's, I, I think it's, it's hard for people to understand. Like, you know, when we lived in Kenya, you could see Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. fully snow like just beautiful and now you see pictures of Mount Kilimanjaro with barely any snow compared to what it was mm -hmm. so you can see that but I think if you go into nature and get involved uh, that's the way to go um, you know Sam I'm so glad you came back on the show mm -hmm. it's been so long and I know there's more programs please come back as you do mm -hmm. more projects more programs have your different representatives come on uh, and you know really as much as we can do to spread the word of what people can do the better. Um, Margo, anything for Sam before he goes? Because I know it's like, wow, we could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just so, I was so happy when I heard you were coming on because uh, trees uh, mm. have been the one thing that I want to get across to people of how important they are uh, mm. to our, the survival of our planet and, um, and the human race, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you could share with us, uh, if you have any upcoming projects that need funding, um, how do you get your funding? Mm. And, right to the uh, yeah, I'm going right <laughs> to supporting you because what you're doing is amazing. Um, and um, just share how important for the survival of this planet are the redwood trees. Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. And, and let me first say by um, uh, in thanking you for uh, asking that question and encourage everyone to go to savetheredwoods.org uh, where you can learn more about the work that we're doing. We do have some active campaigns underway right now as we're trying to buy a property adjacent to Montgomery Woods Redwood Reserve. Uh, it's called the Atkins Place. Um, it's over 500 acres of uh, mature second growth redwood forest that buffers one of the most spectacular redwood groves you'll ever see in, um, uh, in Montgomery <laughs> Woods. So um, uh, again, uh, it's important for people to remember that there are still redwood forests left to save. And in fact, as we exactly. turned 100, our commitment shifted to accelerating the pace and scale of our redwood conservation efforts and focusing on uh, protecting some of the younger redwood forests that are coming back and trying to set them on a restoration trajectory to be the old growth of the future. Uh, mm -hmm. That and our work to build fire resilience back into the sequoia ecosystem through forest management and reintroduction of, of uh, cultural and prescribed burning um, to restore the fire resilience of the giant sequoia are our two most critical uh, investment areas of the coming months. I would, I would say that um, to answer your question, Margot, um, while I would say acknowledge that I am biased, I would say that it is not an exaggeration to say that the health of our planet is directly linked to the health of our forests. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. uh, the coast redwood and giant sequoia in particular are unique in that while we know that forests sequester carbon, that's one of the, one of the extraordinary attributes of a healthy forest, 
uh, Coast Redwood Forests sequester more carbon per acre than any other forest in the world by a long shot. Wow. So mm -hmm. by restoring Coast Redwood Forests and setting it on a trajectory to old growth form and function, it's the best investment we can make in a natural carbon sink. Um, ah. And so the work to restore the Coast Redwood Forest uh, and accelerate its return to old growth form and function at scale uh, is a really critical investment in the fight against climate change. Um, I and it. I will say and acknowledge that, you know, the Coast Redwood Forest, it's a relative to the global ecosystem, it's not gonna solve the problem on its own. But one of the things that's so special about the Coast Redwood Forest is that it is so inspirational and such mm. an iconic landscape mm nationally, that people come from around the world to see it. There are over 30 million people who come to Redwood Parks every year. And mm -hmm. what we can tell in terms of a story, a narrative of, of stewardship, of restoration, of resilience, of healing, of our shared responsibility to the world's forests, if we in California can demonstrate our commitment and our responsibility to be better stewards and to focus on a restoration vision rather than an extraction vision, uh, then we can tell that story to communities around the world who come to see these spectacular parks and work as a, uh, as a catalyst for mm -hmm. a global shift in how we value and how we steward our forests. I love it because yes. it's so true about all these people coming there and it's family memories. When we were saying, oh, we were, you know, people knew we were going through the Redwoods, posting on social media and texting friends are like, did you go here? Did this tree, this is where our family took a picture. This is, yeah. and I'm talking about, you know, when I looked at the generations of our friends, it's, you know, it's, it's wide. And to, to think about like, hey, we're doing this campaign for the Redwoods. If you were there as a kid, you have these special memories. You're going to help, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. donations, spreading the word. I, last thing I wanted to ask is, do you have volunteer opportunities? We do have some volunteer opportunities. Um, and again, encourage people to come to our website and see what they can find. Um, uh, I'll confess that as, as most of our work is land transactions or active okay. forest stewardship. It's money, we um, need money. Uh, we, we need money and also active forest stewardship and uh, doing fire ecology work. Uh, it's, uh, it's work that's it, 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 harder to find volunteer engagement for. Um, I would encourage people, however, to reach out to their local parks and find opportunities to join with friends of and, and parks associations as well and find vehicles to volunteer in their Redwood parks because um, there's there are great opportunities to help welcome visitors, to help manage and maintain trails. And uh, mm. I think our park system really depends on- They need it, oh my God. Mm -hmm. they, they do, they I mean, really they, do. they're so underfunded, our park system, mm -hmm. I don't care what system it is, national forest, state forest, you know, mm -hmm. any of it, they're underfunded yeah. and whatever we can do, we, we gotta do. But like you're saying, when you go into the woods today, behave. Yes. <laughs> Don't be silly in the woods. Thank you so much, Sam. Everyone, savetheredwoods.org is the website to go. Please follow them on social media, sign up for their newsletters, keep up with what is going on and spread the word and, and go to the Redwoods too. So savetheredwoods.org. Also keep up with Margo and her beautiful art. Go to carrerafineartgallery.com. And of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com and go to our park site, nationalparktraveling.com. So every fourth Friday, we are here uh, talking about nature and how we can connect mm -hmm. and support her. Thank you so much. Lisa, Nancy, Margot, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Thank you.